afraid they were going to miss Hilda. She was a crackerjack bridge partner. Oh, you will never guess who finally got a hearing aid. Oh, dear. Alice Trueworthy. Hey, yeah. And now she's playing bridge like a champion. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she never heard the bitten before. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Lone Acting Nominees Podcast, a show where I'm joined each week by a guest to discuss a movie that only received one Oscar nomination, that being for one of its performances. We'll talk about the performance in question, the movie as a whole, and its place in the Oscar race, among other things. I'm Gordon McNulty, and this week I'm joined by Baby Clyde to discuss Anne Southern's Oscar-nominated performance in the 1987 film The Whales of August. Baby Clyde, good to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so uh, tell me a little bit about why you picked this movie out of all of the movies to be discussed. Okay, so my Oscar obsession is long-standing. Um, I kind of started when I was about 11. I literally became obsessed with the Oscars in 1985. Um, I, but my Oscar love is mostly the, the older the better, really. So if you're talking like 30s, 40s, 50s, I'm in. Nowadays, I'm still very much into the Oscars. I still watch all the films. I still like get involved in the race. But my interest is way less in like whatever happened in 2017 than it is in what happened in 1937. Um, going through the list of people to choose from, I thought this was an interesting one that lands somewhere in the middle. It's a relatively modern film, you know, not for not yeah. for some. <laughs> it's a relatively modern film, but the stars go right back to the very beginning of the cinema. You know, we're literally talking about. The, the woman who invented screen acting in many ways. So um, I thought it was a nice, um, a nice combination of the two. Also, I haven't seen it in probably 30 years. Um, I remember it coming out. So I've probably seen it maybe twice before uh, my third watch today, but yeah. it hasn't been, it would have been sometime in the mid to early nineties. I probably last, I last watched it. So it was an opportunity for me to watch it again, which I, I wanted to do, but also then, do what I always do and get really stuck into the back catalogues of the people who are in it. So um, I've come somewhat prepared. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, like, having watched the movie not since the early 90s versus me watching it just now for the first time, I imagine even if you hadn't rewatched it, we probably would have had about as much to say from our, our respective most recent watches because there's not a whole lot to this movie as it turns out. Let's just say, not having seen it for 30 years, I hadn't forgotten much because there's not much to forget, is there? Yes, there's there's some moments here and there, and I'm sure we'll talk about all of them. Uh, but yeah, so we are talking about The Whales of August from 1987, directed by Lindsay Anderson, written by David Barry, based on his play uh, from 1980. It stars Betty Davis, Lillian Gish, Vincent Price, Anne Southern, uh, Harry Carey Jr., Frank Grimes, uh, you get Margaret Ladd... Uh, uh, Tisha Sterling and Mary Steenburgen in that opening sort of prologue as the young versions of the the main three women and that's about it and that's uh, uh, it uh, premiered May I, there wasn't a specific date but May 1987 at Cannes it played out of competition had its New York premiere on October 14th on Lillian Gish's 94th birthday and then opened limited a couple days later uh, didn't make a lot of money that was like something that was noted specifically on the Wikipedia of like, even though this is like some of the biggest stars of old Hollywood uh, doing a movie together, it just, it just sort of like happened and came and went. And uh, yeah, I will just start off. What was your like perception of this when it did come out? What, what was your like familiarity of it, if at all? 
Okay, uh, so I'm old. I'm old enough to remember it coming out. Only just, you know, I was kind yeah. of like early early teenagers. But by that time, I was already deep in my sort of love of old Hollywood. Yeah. So the fact that a film was coming out with Lillian Gish and Betty Davis at the time was big news in my head. You know, I'm not yeah. sure how big news it was <laughs> anywhere else. But I I do remember it coming out. Um, I don't remember much about it. I remember it being in the Oscar race. Um, Oscar race back then was not like it is today. You didn't yeah. have, you didn't start in September. You know, you didn't have um, people blogging or podcasting about it. We didn't all get in an absolute tizzy. We just read the odd bit and piece you may find in a in a newspaper or a, or a magazine or something. So you couldn't follow it in the same way. But I do remember it coming out and being in the conversation. Um, I don't know how I first saw it. Um, there was a man who used to come drive around the estate um with a, what we called the video van so he was like the video van man and he would have a a van which was full of vhs tapes and you could sort of each week you would go and get a tape from him and and um, come back and then bring it back to him the next week um being a very strange like 12 13 year old yeah i didn't get the films that he would have expected me to get. I remember him kind of offering me Eddie Murphy once and me being, oh, no, 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 no. I wanted to see The Morning After with Jane Fonda, you know. <laughs> so I suspect I probably saw it from the video of that man who, who did have some very odd films. I remember seeing The Trip to Bountiful from him and Crimes of the Heart and kind of films you wouldn't wouldn't have been up my local multiplex, you know. Yeah. So I suspect that's how I, how I saw it at the time, uh, the yeah. earliest time I saw it. That would make sense. This movie feels like like quintessential VHS movie specifically. Like I can't imagine this ever did get like a DVD or Blu-ray release, but like this movie should live in perpetuity on VHS and that's maybe it. But yeah, you you can find it for like 1.99 on eBay, can't you? I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Like that that, but that it's, absolutely It's does. not in the Criterion collection, I'm, I'm guessing. Yes, probably not. <laughs> um uh let's talk about Anne Southern here who uh is our nominee kind of like not surprisingly but if you were to look at these four stars if you, if you look at Betty Davis, Lillian Gish, Vincent Price and Southern she's certainly at least from a modern perspective the one that yeah, has the lowest profile in Absolutely. terms of like who like staying power and influence on cinema and like iconic movies and roles the other three are all justifiably like some of the most iconic uh, performers in Hollywood and then also Anne Southern, who I mostly know for this nomination uh, before like doing a, a, a deeper dive into her filmography before this. But uh, yeah, w- what are your initial thoughts on this performance here? I mean, she is the standout of the film. Um, she brings some life. She brings, um, you know, some 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 character. Um, the rest of it is pretty staid. It's pretty staid, pretty slow. Um, I'm sure we'll discuss the other performances, but yeah. she certainly it certainly is is the standout. You can completely see why she gets the nomination. Um yeah. what I find interesting is this means the nomination means that everybody watched it. They must have watched it to nominate her and chose not to nominate the others or chose yeah. not to put them um higher up in the in their rankings to to get the nomination in. I think she's she's very good. She's playing very much in character. I don't know how much you know of um and southern she's one of those people who i've always known of she's always kind of like been in the back of my head but i wouldn't really have been able to place other than you say this nomination and obviously she's in a letter to three wives which are probably her f- two most famous nominations i remember the not not nominations two most famous performances i remember when i first had an encyclopedia of movie stars 
again, so around the same age, 11, 12. Um, and I think she was in it. So I always knew she was this um, a- actress who had the Maisie films. Maisie was her big, like, um, this, it was kind of these B pictures, but it was a serial back in the in the, um, in the the 40s. And that's kind of what really made her famous. But I'd never seen any of them. That has now changed, which I'm... Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was aware of her rather than actually knew who she was or what she was like and having watched a lot of her stuff over the last sort of um couple of weeks this performance is is sort of quintessential um and southern she plays larger than life characters she plays kind of blousy characters she's always playing a showgirl or a corine or someone who comes in and gives some sparks some life you know gets yeah. moles that kind of thing but she's very very good at them she, she's a she's a really interesting person in that she never made it to a top ranking star she was never became she was very famous in her day, but she never became like a top ranking star. Um, but she's very, very good at those those kind of roles, which meant she could continue on for forever. Yeah. You know, if you are a, a big star, you can dip, can't you? If you never quite make it to the top, you can continue on forever playing those character roles. And she did. There's loads of old, loads of crap in the 70s she's making where she's playing like sort of blousy mothers and um, drunken clairvoyants and all kinds of stuff. Cars, like that. Um, for example. What, sorry? Cars. She's the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the titular, my mother, the car. That's her. Right. Yes, yeah, she, she, she's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so she she's a sort just the sort of person who I love getting an Oscar nom. Yes. You know, it's like it, it doesn't have to be for the performance itself. It's for her whole career. She must have worked with everyone in Hollywood right, at this point. You know, the amount of people she's worked with because she had she did radio, she did television, she did theatre. She she'd done it all, and I love that type of career capping. Oscar nom, even if they don't win, even if it's not really about the performance, um, I'm very much a um, a proponent of people getting in for those kind of roles, which I, which is why I kind of love she's the only one who made it in here. Yeah, it's it's fun, and it's also like, you know, if she doesn't get this nomination and this movie is just sort of out there in the culture as like, oh, isn't it weird that there's this movie that Betty Davis and Lillian Gish made in 1987? Like, if you do seek it out, you might not necessarily be paying attention to her because she's only in like two scenes and one of them is like a prolonged sequence but she's not in the movie very much and she's certainly not the highlight of it or the focus of it so if you're yeah. you know if this it, without this nomination you might not necessarily be as prone to you know really pay attention to her performance but it is like you said the best one in the movie the most interesting uh certainly the most lively she's like yeah. you know, for most of the rest of the movie it's just like old people sitting around being very sad about the fact that they're old people sitting around and she shows up and is like, Oh, well, did you hear about all this gossip? And I'm going to, you know, make you laugh and make you smile and, and just sort of like have a chat and then get teary eyed and then leave. And then the movie sort of goes back to the same very slow pace that it's been set at that has some good moments and some moments that just sort of happen, but she brings a different energy than all the rest of it, even if it's it's not. Well, she, brings, yeah. she brings some energy because yeah, there's any no energy, other energy yeah. in the film. It's any any yeah. energy really. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 good. She's um. There's one. There's a couple lines I I wrote down just of like, she she has that sort of like. I mean, she's like a gossip and a flirt, and she's good at. The, there's a a bit where she runs. Uh, she walks into um, the the handyman character. And she she's like, oh, someone told me that you're seeing Myrtle Jackson, Joshua. And the sort of like way her voice sort of 
goes up and down over the course of that line is just very like, oh, she has so much more that she's not saying by saying yeah. it like this. And it's it's very catty. It's very coy. It, it's a lot of fun to watch her, which you can't really say about most of the rest of the movie. She's having fun and she makes the other like and she the reaction she gets out of uh, Gish and Davis when they're just sitting around and gossiping and the the other two start laughing and start like smiling and engaging and it's like oh yeah these are people these are characters these aren't or yeah these are people these aren't characters from a play about being old and sad and it it gives them a liveliness and it makes them feel lived in in a way that the movie feels like it's trying to get at but never really achieves outside of that sequence it's a very odd script it's a very odd play because nothing much happens and i'm all for films where nothing much happens in yeah that's not really an issue with me at all i love um i love performances that don't have to be big and outrageous and you know lots of screaming and shouting and everything but here literally nothing nothing happens it's quite interesting when you read the um wikipedia uh synopsis it doesn't actually tell you anything. no plot. plot. It just tells you, tells you feelings. It gives you vibes, you know, because there is a really, yeah. really plot, isn't it? So. All of the things that quote unquote happen in this movie either already happened and they talk about it or are going to happen and they they leave <laughs> off before anything. Like it's it's like it's all, oh, well, <laughs> the, so these, true. these people have just died and maybe Betty Davis is going to leave the house and maybe Vincent Price is going to move in. But it ends before any of that happens. And so it's just sort of a, a story about the in-between of other things happening. Which is uh, why, again, why it's so interesting when Anne Southern comes in. Because she comes in and starts talking about anything else. And she's talking yeah. about these characters we don't see. And like, oh, did you hear that this man whose like wife just died? He just married this young waitress. And it's a whole scandal. And this other woman finally got hearing aids. And so now she's really good at bridge because she can hear all the bets. And... And she's talking she, about things she, happening. She brings the outside world in yes. because otherwise we're, we're trapped in this like one room overlooking a very pretty uh, bay with two old women who've lived together for well at least fifteen years. They said, yeah. okay, but they're both they're both like in their seventies, eighties, and they're just kind of chit chatting most of the time. And so she brings the other the other the rest of the world in. I think her first very first scene, the very first um, thing she says is when she bumps into Vincent Price. Now his I wasn't quite sure, bit hazy, what it actually was. But his the woman he lived with, or someone who's just died. Yeah, and someone she, he lived with had just died. Yeah, so she she brings in the outside world right from her very first sentence. She's talking about other characters, which, to be honest, all seem more interesting than the characters we have yes. on screen. <laughs> yeah, it's um. This is this only just hit me. This is such a movie where nothing happens. That the title, the Whales of August, is about whales that don't show up in the movie. <laughs> It's all about how there aren't whales. <laughs> whales that do not arrive in yeah. August. Yeah. It's it's there was something else I wrote down just because I was kind of grasping at straws of like there's nothing in this movie for me to grab onto. There's a bit where it's maybe the most action that happens in the movie, which is Lillian Gish and uh Anne Southern walking away from the house and going and looking out of the water. And they're talking about how the whales haven't shown up at, uh, since the war because of all the submarines. And Lillian Gish says, oh, you and your submarines. And it made me, like, for a brief moment, like, does Lillian Gish not believe in, in submarines and she thinks that Anne Southern made them up? And I want to see that movie about two old women that are fighting over whether or not submarines exist. 
But what about her submarines? I want to know. I want to know you and your submarines. Has she got a, back, a submarine backstory we don't know about? <laughs> I know. Like, why are they her submarines? Does she talk about them a lot? Does she? What did she invent? Sub? Is this a movie secretly about the woman who invented submarines and it's never mentioned? Who's to maybe say? She spent a, maybe she spent a lot of time in sub, on submarines during the war, if you know what I mean. Maybe so. Uh, there's so many things on the edges of this movie that are more interesting than uh, is Betty Davis going to move in with someone else and will they get a big window? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and does it not all happen over like like 24 hours or 48 hours? It's like it's Believably. a very short amount of time, isn't it? You know? and, like, Believably. What, what is such a shame such a disappointment really is you get these two great titans of hollywood um and i i remember it being such a big thing at the time you know people were talking about this was this was going to happen and these two people were acting together and then you litter them with others you know so Anthony and vincent price are also in there uh, lindsay anderson is a well-known respected director you give them nothing to work with and it just feels so odd that people would have sat down and read this script or greenlit it for that you know yeah to, to put all that together for no for so little um payoff just seems a really odd waste of everyone's time really which again i think brings like is so much of why Anne southern is the one that gets nominated yeah. because she's not on the same level as these other three and she's kind of acting circles around them in a scene and a half basically uh and it's not all just Oh well, she's fun and lively. Like, uh, she has a little bit where she tears up over not having her car for six months. Driving and, license. Yes, in a way that, like, you know, is maybe the most poignant the movie ever gets about its theme about aging, because she's like, six months is such a long time, and she starts to tear up, and you're like, oh yeah, these are like old people that are coming to to grips with the fact that they are old people that don't know how much longer they have, and that's really the only time that worked for me in the movie was her tearing up about not having her driver's license for six months. Well, that was actually her Oscar clip. Yeah, that would make sense. I, um, yeah. And then uh, and then at the end, when she's brought in this realtor and uh, Lillian Gish is like, hey, we're not selling the house, go away. And the, the way Anne Southern sort of like tail between her legs walks off and is like, is everything okay? I'm sorry, I just thought... And like, you get, again, a, another layer to to this uh, uh relationship in in that there is any to begin with that like oh well it's not just sort of exchanging platitudes and being around there's like something has changed here something has happened finally in this movie and then it's over but like she <laughs> she offended Lillian Gish by bringing this this realtor in and it's something and it's the very end of the movie but at least it's something it's something <laughs> and i have Basically, nothing else to say about Anne Southern here. Do you want to talk about because you watched the uh, at least some, I don't know how many of the Maisie movies, but do you want to talk about some of that? Okay, so I watched six of the. There's ten in total. I watched six. Uh, they are incredibly formulaic. I mean, literally yeah. every the beginning of the first film, within the first ten minutes, she loses her job. She either loses her job or she's on her way to a job that she can't get to. She's a a showgirl. She works in circuses. She works in vaudeville. So whatever it is, she's always going to be, she's off to get a dance job or she's off to do a singing yeah. gig or something. Um, so she either loses it or can't make it. And then she ends up in a situation where she wouldn't expect to be. So she's either in a, um, like a, a Midwestern county 
Elboy Town, or at one point she's in the Congo. Um, she ends up in a like a millionaire's mansion. She ends up in a in a boxing in a boxing circle like man. Um, so every single one is, and then she lots of mishaps happen, and then she sometimes falls in love with the guy that she has mishaps with, or the better ones she doesn't. She kind of goes off on her way. Yeah. The thing is, then they're not um, they're, they're not in sequence. So each one is its own contained story. So to begin with, I was thinking I had to watch them in order, which which I did do, but like it actually doesn't matter because each is its own contained story. They're a great, great showcase for her. She gets to because they're not they're comedies, but they're not they're kind of dramatic comedies, dramedies, you know. So yeah. she gets to she gets to be fun, she gets to sing, she gets to dance, she gets to do drama, she gets to do slapstick. There's a hint of kind of um screwball in there. So she gets to do everything. They're really, really great showcases for her. And it's so weird that from that. That didn't extrapolate into her doing bigger, better things because she quite clearly could have. There's no reason why she couldn't have been doing, you know, screwballs along with Barbara Stanwyck or Irene Dunn or um, whoever else it, it may be. And, and she's at MGM as well. So it's not like she was at some sort of Skid Row studio um, who didn't know what to do with it or didn't have the power to do it. They, they clearly could have. Um, yeah, it's just a bit odd she didn't, you know, make it big. But in some ways, as we were saying, that's that's can be a good thing because it means that you... You never have to, yeah. Worry about that, you know. You, yeah, kind of, I, you have to maintain your fame. You can exactly. And then also, you don't have studios like blaming you if you're you 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 don't you're not really as in danger of being labeled box office poison or whatever if you're never no, no. the headliner to begin with. Um, no. Yeah, I was like sort of skimming through her Wikipedia uh, uh, like career, uh, and it didn't really look like there was any reason as to why she never took off or at least anything that i could find it just sort of sometimes no. that just happens and uh but she, she reminds me very much of joan Blondell, who are like a very right. similar career trajectory um they were big stars but never quite to the top they continued working way onto like into like the 70s and 80s they played similar kind of uh parts as kind of like blousy sh show girly type parts um so i can imagine they're very similar, like in, in my head. I was trying to think who the equivalent today of someone like her would be. And I was thinking of someone like Anna Faris. Um, I can see it. Someone who is around, everybody loves, really dependable, never stops working, but has never actually, you know, is, is sometimes headlining, but doesn't, you know, it hasn't become like a star. She's not someone everyone knows. And I feel like maybe someone like her, there's always those people who, you know, yeah. who are really appreciated, aren't they? Really appreciated, really loved. Will gets probably in a few, many years time a supporting actress nomination in some way um yeah so um yeah she feels like one of those very very well respected people and what lucille ball said about it didn't she she said something about they were, they were like really good friends lucille yes. ball and um and Sheridan and and southern were very good friends and uh and lucille ball apparently said there's no better comedian in the industry bar none um yeah i mean which is you know coming from her <laughs> yeah coming from lucille ball yeah, yeah they were um and that that actually does I don't know if this would have like hindered her career, but it certainly would have been a thing that she was preoccupied with. She did a lot of TV. She like headlined a sitcom for a while, a uh, private secretary, like I said, my mother, the car. Uh, but she like was doing TV and theater while also doing movies. And I wonder if maybe she just well, no, didn't the have the time. No, the movies or... kind of stopped. So she got hepatitis well, guess, in, the, yeah. in the late forties. Um, and that took her out for a couple of years. And then by the time she kind of came back, um movies kind of she did it's a good movie called the, the blue dahlia which i watched the other day which is really good like a noir from 1954 or something but other right. than that there wasn't mm -hmm. a lot of films in the 50s but she did two sitcoms so she did um 
the secretary one and then the unsouthern show which took right. up most of her time in the in the um in the 50s and that's a, a really you know when people got in on the ground floor in the in on in tv like lucy aborted loretta young did um that's a really good career move you know yes because you've, you've, you've 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 kind of had you don't have to worry about box office anymore you don't have to worry about and also you're a big fish in a smaller pond you know coming from movie stars a movie star is always going to be bigger than a tv star that is still true today isn't it you know yes. however big you are in tv you're not a movie star you know and so coming from movies to tv um back then was sort of frowned upon at the time wasn't it but it, it really works out and it's only very recently it's only like even in the last what probably less than 10 years with sort of the prestige TV we have nowadays that it's not um, somehow frowned upon for a Nicole Kidman, a Meryl Streep, a Julia Roberts, you know, to actually go and do TV. It doesn't, it no longer feels like it's because your career is on the skids, does it? It feels like yeah. it's because it's better material, which there is. Yeah, there is. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I wonder if there is like a, like I'm trying to think of, of another sort of analog as far as that, as far as, but you know, the landscape of TV has changed so much that, Obviously, anyone doing TV now wouldn't be getting in on the ground floor in the same way as Anne Southern. So it's not there's not really a one to one there. Well, no, but, but I suppose the I suppose the analog is to streaming, isn't it? Because like when you right. see someone like yeah. a, a Sandra Bullock or a, a Julia Roberts doing a Netflix straight to Netflix thing, it does seem a bit reductive. It doesn't it doesn't like yeah. it makes me slightly cringe because you're you're a movie star and when you go and do something on Netflix which doesn't get a theatrical release and also is dumped for people to watch then just to disappear into the ether you know because no film that has ever gone to Netflix with no theatrical release has actually become a cultural anything has it they literally just yeah. disappear don't they so there's the one that Julia Roberts has come out last week I haven't seen it yet what's that oh right the um what is that? I'll I'll look that up. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's so it's come out, and it just feels to me like a bit like oh, Julia Roberts. You're like you're you're Julia Roberts. <laughs> it just doesn't feel quite right. Oh she, right, the uh, uh, leave the world me. behind. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. So it's come out, got terrible reviews, and will never be spoken of ever again, will it? Um, yeah. And it just doesn't feel like Julia Roberts. You know, should be doing that to to my mind. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else we want to say about Anne Southern? here or do we want to move on to the rest of the right. movie let's move on to the rest of the movie because there's so much to talk about so much yeah um you are a very fortunate son mr marinoff indeed i was madam where have you been staying this summer libby he was oh of course he oh oh how sad and and how very unfortunate for you mr marinoff have you found another place not yet. I do advise you, Mr. Marinoff, to start your search for a refuge immediately. A big window. Maybe. Maybe a big window. That's as much as gets resolved in this movie, basically. But it does get resolved, so... Yeah. At least there's that. At least they're going to get that window. Um I I don't even really know where to start. I mean, the the other three are good in this. No one's bad. Mm -hmm. This isn't. Mm -hmm. eh, eh. I mean, <laughs> okay. I, I'm I'm curious who that hmm is is towards specifically. If, if there's one that uh, that you would... yeah, I think Betty Davis is pretty terrible. Um, I think she has her moments. Uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go as far as terrible, but she's certainly 
the least of the four by like a good margin. You know, Betty Davis is an absolute acting genius, you know, genuinely one of the all-time greats. Who doesn't love Betty Davis? Yeah. But what she doesn't do, which some of her other um, peers do, she never calibrates her performance for changing times. So she's True. still acting. Here we are in 1987. She's still acting as if she's in 1933. Um, and you see, well, Lillian Gish, up. Lillian Gish is a prime example. Lillian Gish was acting 20 years on screen, 20 years before Betty Davis. But she doesn't feel like a, a silent movie star acting in a modern era. Um, Catherine Hepburn didn't either. You know, Barbara Stanwyck didn't. But Betty Davis never ceases to be that Betty Davis of back in the day. She's still got that very, very mannered way of speaking. Um, a lot of her line deliveries just feel like they've come straight out of like little foxes or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and, so, and so with everyone else around her acting pretty naturally, Betty Davis is still giving you like full on Margot Channing. And I love, there's a thing I, I love because I'm so obsessed with that old movies from like thirties and forties. I love it when you get someone from back in the day who you then see in something in the seventies or eighties and they seamlessly seamlessly like work their way into that. Um for example, um in Good Bergman in Autumn Sonata, you know, yes. going from going from the thing she was doing in the in the nineteen forties to Ingmar Bergman is such a huge jump and could be such a complete disaster. Um but she does it seamlessly. I'm I I love On Golden Pond and like um Catherine Hepburn and um Henry Fonda there are just perfect, just flawless. And they are they have had to change the way they act in a way because it's just yeah. it's just less. It's just less than before, isn't it? Yeah. Um Betty never did that. Never. Yeah. Um I feel like it it maybe works more so in this case than in something else from around this time, just because she's playing an old woman that is like kind of losing her mind and is supposed to be like, like the whole conceit of the character is that she's cantankerous and is like, does not cooperate with the people around her and is, you know, holding on to her younger self a little bit. I think if, if I'm retaining what little characterization is given <laughs> to uh, the, the people in this movie to begin with, like it, it kind of works for like this, verging on senility 90 something year old woman who uh, is basically blind and and hates her sister that also has to take care of her it kind of works to a degree uh it certainly works the least of the of the four leads but i i wasn't put off by the performance necessarily uh it's just there's just some moments i found like problem pardon me, problematic, like when she, she has a nightmare at one point where she thinks death's oh, right. to get yeah. or something. Yeah. And she comes out of the bedroom and it's all very, very over the top and stagey. It's, 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 it's a stage performance almost rather than a, rather a film performance. Interestingly, when you look up the actual original play, um, they've got the ages of the characters and Betty is playing the older sister in the film and Lillian's playing the younger one. But Lillian was actually, what, 15 years older than Betty, so Lillian is like 93 when they're filming this, right. and Betty is 78. But the actual age of the character is almost flipped. So Betty's character is 86, and Lillian's character is only 75 in this film. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. interesting. <laughs> but um, of course, 75, this is set in 1954. So 75 back then, 
is wildly right. different to what <laughs> you think betty's playing an 86 year old jane fonda is 86 you know right so yeah <laughs> that, that, that's the difference you know <laughs> rita moreno is like 91 or something so that, that's yeah. the difference you know, how, Actually, how ages have changed over the last um last 70 because years. she's in this i want to look at how old is mary steenburgen now she's 70 so she's like in in five years she's theoretically going yeah, exactly. to Gish in this which doesn't really track um yeah th- that was the thing that i i read that like in the original play it seemed like they had cast younger actors because you can't have like 70 80 90 year old uh performers on stage giving multiple performances a night or multiple performances a week uh every night but for this they were like we want to get you know big titans of hollywood did you read some of the names that uh this was offered to that turned it down i must have done but i can't remember so to tell me, um, remind me who they, so uh who they barbara's Bar- most of this it was people that you know they couldn't for health reasons or they just you know yeah. passed on it but uh barbara stanwick Catherine hepburn shirley booth fred astaire paul on reed joel mccray francis d and john gilgood was attached to the uh uh vincent price role but he left because he had disagreements with lindsey anderson oh wasn't health reasons he just didn't get along i guess but uh i it's it's interesting to imagine what this movie would have been like with any of those people but i love the fact that lillian gish is in this yes you know because she's you know so she's 93 she literally goes back to the very dawn, dawn of dawn of cinema but i just thought it would have been slightly more interesting if one of Beth's contemporaries right had been there instead you know so if it had been Catherine hepburn or barbara stanwick I feel like they just has a uh, for me anyway, you know, with my um, kind of old Hollywood obsession, that yeah. feels like a better, a better, a, a better pairing. Not yeah. that I'm, yeah, the better pairing. Not that I, oh, isn't it amazing how sprightly Lillian Gish, especially ninety-three year old Lillian very, Gish, very old, yeah, ninety-three. She's running up and down stairs. She's like bending over to pick things up from the floor. Um, Walking She's through those berry fields and and all that. Yeah, I kept thinking she could have tripped. Yeah, there was um uh, apparently uh, this. I mean, this movie is af- like pretty soon after Davis had had a, a few strokes, so yeah. she was uh, uh, incapacitated with that. And Lillian Gish was like almost deaf. Uh, did you read any of this behind the scenes stuff of their feuding okay. back and forth? So, I remember, and this is a story I have known for like more than 30 years but i actually when we said we were going to do this which is a couple of months back now wasn't it i actually wanted to look this story up just to double check i hadn't made it up and i don't know if this is one you've read about but at one point they did not get on they didn't get on yeah i where's 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 feud betty versus lillian yeah sorry tell us what you were going to say because i think i probably got a supplementary story there's there's like a a handful that i read the one that i i that like i loved the most was that uh lillian gish would like kind of prank betty davis because davis was like you're not getting any of my cues you're she she would call out like she can't hear me and or davis would be like i can't or uh 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 she would be like i can't hear what she's saying and she would call out and like break the scene and then have lindsey anderson call out from behind the camera and then she would deliver her her line right on cue she was just you know like spurning davis she basically invented trolling didn't she yeah she invented trolling yeah um she's sort of pretending her just just to just to annoy betty but the the story i remember hearing at the time or sometime around there long long time ago and i i googled these words just to see if i hadn't made it up and there are blogs that write about it there's a story that at one point lindsay anderson um congratulated lillian on doing a great close-up 
And to right. which Betty Davis is supposed to have shouted across the set, of course she did. The bitch invented them. <laughs> <laughs> which you just know is true, don't you? You just it's know so that good. story's true. Absolutely. <laughs> you just know it's true. <laughs> there's another one on the Wikipedia here. Um uh there's okay, this is like a whole there's like a whole paragraph on the Wikipedia uh just about this sort of feuding. Um Let's see. Uh, uh, Davis demanded top billing on the picture of which Gish said, oh, dear, I just can't deal with that sort of thing. I don't care what they do with my name. If they leave it off, so much the better. It's the work I love, not the glory. Which is great. Uh, and then they ended up really, where... Really pa- it's just amazingly passive aggressive, isn't it? It's yes. Like... <laughs> and even more passive aggressive than that. Um, uh, Gish recalled that Davis rarely spoke to her or looked at her except when the script required. Though Gish was hurt she was sympathetic due to, due to excuse me she was sympathetic due to davis's illness quote that face have you ever seen such a tragic face poor woman how she must be suffering i don't think it's right to judge a person like that we must bear and forbear i remember she's 15 years older <laughs> she's 93 and saying all this it's hilarious it's i wish any of that translated into the movie yeah oh absolutely like, totally 100% animosity like it is interesting how we all kind of like, you know, we all love Betty Davis and you love Betty Davis for her like divaness, you know, and the terrible, horrible character she played and all the rest of it. But anything you read about her and anything you hear about her, she just seems to be a genuinely not very nice person, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't hear like any, all the great stories about Betty Davis are all about her being a total bitch in some way, aren't they? It's perfect. Which we kind of love, but at the same time, that's not really like professionalism, be, but professional or like you know we should be re- rewarding someone for genuinely being a really terrible yeah. person, which is but she's dead now, and so you know she's it's not dead. yeah. yeah. Uh, um, what is interesting is I think when I was a kid or growing up, Lillian Gish was this like she was obviously really famous from all her work, but she was more famous at that time because she was so old and still working. Yeah, so it was a real big thing because she was in quite a few things in the 80s this was her last film but she was in Hamburg and Halley she was in Sweet Liberty is it called she was in the Robert Altman film A, a, a Wedding um this is all kind of from her mid 80s onwards and at the time it was like oh my god she's so old and she's still working you know um and nowadays we've got quite a few actresses who are well into their 80s even if their 90s are still working and I was thinking who is similar these days because it's not it's not the same is it but the the most similar would be Olivia de Havilland I think who right it was a real thing about her age you know it cuts the point where she was very very famous but then she became more famous because she was still alive that's what you read about all the time wasn't it so um Lillian Gish didn't quite make it to 100 she I think she was, was 99 in, yeah she was born in 93 and she died in 93 but didn't quite make it to 100 but at the time that was like you couldn't get your head around that but nowadays there's quite a few actresses who are you know around that that age it's not really commented on in the same way because um yeah you know track times change it's not so just looking up now just some uh in general famous people that are 93 94 around that clint eastwood (laughs) clint eastwood's 93 he's uh just wrapped on another movie but like most of these other people are retired it's like tippy hedron john astin joanne woodward rollins uh just uh, lois smith just won a tony not too long ago so she's Um, even Marie Saint is like 97 or something, I think. Right. Glynis Jones is Glynis Jones is a hundred this year, I think. Right. Or something right. like that. Um June Squid um, is 94 and she's still yeah. she's still doing stuff. But yeah, she doesn't 
I mean, obviously, she doesn't have the stature of Lillian Gish because Jin Squibb wasn't in Intolerance or whatever. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Or just a shout out because it's my favorite movie, uh, Night of the Hunter. Lillian Gish is so good in that. Like, yeah. it's it's kind of crazy that she only has the one nomination and that she wasn't able to get in for this. Like, even if they're nominating Ann Southern on Body of Work and you have Lillian Gish right there. I'm gonna say it's it was this was like the 75th year of her being in Hollywood, yeah. like like 75 was, on the dot. That's such a golden. How 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 do you not? How do you not? I and was, she's I good at it too. Good. Also, she, no, she is. She, I think she, she's she's great. She actually. Yeah. Um, pardon me. What I love about her in it is that it is 1987, and she has been acting since since 2012, not 2012, 1912. Yeah. But at no way do you think like all oh, this doddery old lady like doesn't know what she's doing you know um, yeah um it would be a perfectly valid oscar nomination i do think that 1987 is a really strong year it is um, yes that's that's why whilst, it doesn't happen yeah i also think that whilst i don't really believe in um sort of vote splitting or whatever that what's the term people use um i i can see it happening here you know yeah. if, if you want to give that film some love and you want to give it to the two ladies you can only place one first, you know. Um, I can imagine she's the kind of nomination that got lots and lots of nominations, but didn't not so long a vote, sorry, but didn't get enough first place votes or something yeah. like that to, to tip it over. Um, whereas um Sally Kirkland in um Anna, who does make it in, and you, you assume yeah. she was the fifth, you know, but I suspect she got lots of uh, lots of passion votes, you know. Yes. Whereas Lillian Gish probably end up fifth on lots of people's that would make sense. Ballot, uh... you know? but, but it is really frustrating how she doesn't. Yeah, you know, she has one nomination for the truly terrible um, "Jewel in the Sun" in 1946. Um, she's not terrible in it. She's she's fine in it. She has yeah. not, not not much to do really. But it's a very very silly film. Um, and to think that that was her only nomination, and there were so many other places they could have nominated her. But that's easy to say in hindsight because yes. you think you think um, "Night of the Hunter" absolutely clear cut. Obviously, she should have been nominated there. But it was a total flop and got terrible reviews. And got no nominations so, and and no nominations. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the, easy. It to was say never that going to happen. Years, but no, God, seventy how it years later, have. we can complain it didn't happen. But it wasn't even in your conversation at the time. It's been you know rehabilitated since. Um, the same with the wind, which I think is her greatest film, probably and her greatest um, her greatest um, performance. I watched it the other day, and she's just fantastic in it, and it's a fantastic film. Um, that year, her um, um, good friend Mary Pickford won for the dreadful coquette, um, but the wind wasn't a hit. You know, it, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't a hit. Now people thought, at, even at that point, Lillian Gish was thought to be the greatest actress of, of silent cinema. But it kind of came and gone and didn't really make much of an impression at the time. Now it's a stone cold classic, but you can't sort of retcon it into being in the conversation because it, it it wasn't at the time. Yeah. Um, and she also sort of took. Um, a lot of time off from film. She went back to New York, did theatre, wasn't particularly interested in doing film for a, for a long time. So it was only like in the sort of mid to late 50s she really came back to doing uh, film on a regular basis throughout the 60s. So it's, it's just a shame, but it's like it just didn't work out. She got yeah. her honorary one there, so that's... Um, yeah, at least she got that. Um, back when they actually gave honorary Oscars to people who deserved them. I'm not... We need to do... I could, I could talk for hours about <laughs> the debacle that has become the honorary Oscar. Yeah, there's there's some odd choices and odd omissions in recent years. Um, we haven't talked about him at all, 
and speaking of someone that should have gotten an honorary Oscar at some point, Vincent Price is so sweet in this movie. The the scene where he's um they invite him over for dinner. Well, yeah, Lillian Gish invites him over for Lillian, dinner. Yeah, Betty Davis very, very does not want him. Yeah. Um, but he's he was like this like son of a Russian like like diplomat or not yeah, yeah. yeah he, he's like he comes from russian royalty and at some point got cast out their their family did and he he's talking about how like oh my mother gave me this handkerchief with all of her jewels wrapped all the jewels she had left and she said uh uh above all else to to make sure that it's all well spent and this is the last one and i give it to you and it's so sweet he's just this this sweet old man that stands on the shore and goes fishing and he's just it's it's again how how did they not rally around this it's vincent price and he's yeah, delightful I sus- was it just a bit subtle you know oscar likes yeah. and especially coming from vincent price you know it's vincent True. price yeah isn't known, isn't known for his subtle work is he that's not that's yeah. not what he's done over the years and so i think whilst watching it it's very easy to well you can see from watching it the one that got the nomination is the one that really stands out um yeah so I suspect he probably, again, probably got lots of, lots of votes, but was there passion for it? There probably just wasn't. Yeah, passion for the film across the board. I think that there was passion for was there. So that that's uh, that's very fair. Um, I mean, I, it's just kind of strange when you put it in the context of the '80s, where they're giving out so many career nominations and wins. Where yeah, like truly shocking ones, isn't it? Yes, like Don Amici is, is someone yeah, that we have the, to give an all time, to. one of the all time worst, um, one of the all time worst wins. It's just, it's he's, just... he's fine in it. He's, he doesn't he doesn't do anything wrong, but he doesn't do anything, does he? That's the, that's yeah. the problem. And like, and, and also he's he's not someone who needed a a career Oscar. You know, when you think yeah. all the people they've missed over the years, Don Amici was not someone who wanted yeah. a career Oscar. And but like Sean Connery and Paul yeah. Newman and Geraldine Page and all these people are getting what can unfavorably in some cases and aptly in other cases be described as career Oscars. It's just kind of strange that Gish and Price specifically, who had been around for so long, Gish with the one nomination, Price with none, that they they don't get more than I mean they, they both showed up at least somewhere in precursor talk and we'll talk about that in a second but it's a it's just a kind of a head scratcher that in an era of so many you know give it to them for their body of work and in a year with so many kind of strange nominations uh, in these acting categories uh, is is just is just a thing that that you know it's a bit of a head scratcher like I get it ultimately but. I don't know. Because my Oscar, not my Oscar watching, because my film watching is so Oscar centric, my whole idea of films and watching films is basically based around the Oscars. And yeah. Always has been. So whenever I see something is being made and someone is in it who maybe doesn't have an Oscar or hasn't had a nomination or is getting older or something, my mind immediately goes to, oh, well, you know, what's, what's the Oscar scene going to be? And yeah. so when I then see a film and someone is in it and they haven't been given a an opportunity, they haven't been given the role that warrants it, I, I immediately just think, what are, you, what are you doing? Why are you why are you not giving them an Oscar scene? Don't you want yes. your film to win an Oscar? You know? So I remember seeing um If Bill Street Could Talk. I saw it at the premiere at TIFF actually. Right. And um throughout the whole thing, you were just sitting and waiting for Regina's Oscar moment to come, you know? 
So I'm sitting, waiting, and then it comes. You're like, okay, yeah. oh, I can relax now. Yeah, it's like I can relax now because they they knew what they were doing. They gave a she needs a moment, you know. Yeah. Um, so I watch I watch something like the Wells of August and just think, oh come on, Lindsay Anderson, didn't you have like didn't you have Oscars in mind? Because I would. Yeah. Well, may, I feel like that maybe rests more even on David Barry, just for yeah, maybe write a story. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Give them something to do. Anything. Just something, you know. You, you forgot the plot. Um yeah. what else do I have in my notes? Uh oh, the the actress that plays the young version of Anne Southern's character in that prologue is her actual daughter. Uh, which is something. Uh even if is... like even if I because I, I hadn't I hadn't seen it such a long time and I'd forgotten. But that prologue, I mean, nothing really happens in the prologue. They look out in the no. sea and see some whales. And I just thought, oh, do they come back to them? Oh, is that is that a You'd think. So I thought maybe that was kind of interwoven throughout the film or something, but but no. <laughs> yeah. If for nothing else than just for the fact that one of them is Mary Steen. Exactly. Yeah. Who at this point yeah, is... Well, yeah. Yeah. This is, you know, seven years. This isn't like, oh, well, it's Mary Steenburgen, but they didn't know yet. Like, she had an Oscar already. Uh, what else do I have? She's one of those odd, she's, she's one of those odd people who wins an Oscar and then... The it, career it, just doesn't really yeah. take off, you know. It's not that it's, her career it's, declines; it's just that it. No, like, she's fine. It just yeah. nothing much happened. Yeah, you know, she's worked ever since, hasn't she? But never. Yes. It's it's really interesting. You would think that a best supporting actress Oscar would be a ticket to like a list stardom, and it very very seldom happens. We're yeah. talking. We're literally talking two or three times in throughout the entire history of the Oscars where a best supporting actress Oscar has gone on to boost someone up into a list. It it just doesn't happen which is really really strange because you would think yeah. it'd be a perfect perfect um, sort of introduction wouldn't it yeah um there was a point i have in my notes here i'm looking at uh where i i wrote down when is this going to get started and then i checked the time and i had been watching for 40 <laughs> minutes <laughs> <laughs> yeah you could have been watching for like 87 minutes and you would still be waiting for it to get started yeah the the, the first time like that i noted that anything happened is when like vincent price shows up at dinner an hour into this 90 minute movie. That's the first time you can say a thing happens in this movie, thing really. Happens, yeah. Uh oh, would this movie be better or worse if all of the characters were Brendan Fraser's character in The Whale? If it was the whales of August and it's just oh, I thought, what on earth is the connection? What what are you where are you going with this? <laughs> if, it's, um, if it's just four Brendan Frasers. I'm gonna say no, it would definitely be worse because like yeah. that was a truly terrible film. Yeah, the 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 only reason I wrote that down is because I went to go look this look this up on IMDb, and the whale popped okay, up first, and I was like, I could maybe make a joke there and uh, put about as much time into that joke as I as uh, they, as they did, did the script, in, yeah. in yes, yeah. the script for the movie, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, that oh, I, I the the one other thing I liked from Vincent Price is where uh, they're sitting out on the porch after dinner, and she's like, Oh, do you want to go see the whales? And he goes, I've never seen a whale. I just thought that was a sweet little line from him of just like, yes, I would like to go see a whale, Lillian Gish. I've never seen one. And that but they is, don't come. So. They don't come. And they that is come. everything I have about this movie. Surpri surprisingly, we were able to get like an hour out of this, which I was not expecting. Just oh, from the movie it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is there anything else we want to say about this or do, do we want to move on to the Oscars? Let's move on. Let's move on to the Oscars. The nominees for an actress in a supporting role are Norma Alejandro and Gabby, A True Story. Anne Southern in The Whales of August. 
Olympia Dukakis in Moonstruck. Ann Archer in Fatal Attraction. <laughs> Ann Ramsey in Probata for the Train. The IMDb awards tab for this is half, you know, things that you've heard of and half strange sort of things I want to delve into. So the the National Board of Review, Lillian Gish wins Best Actress in a tie with Holly Hunter for Broadcast News. Um, the other three acting winners there end up being the Oscar winners, uh, Michael Douglas, Sean Connery, and Olympia Dukakis. Uh, at the Indie Spirit Awards, this gets three nominations for three of the four... Three of the four lead actors, and do you want to take a wild swing at which one gets left off? <laughs> Betty gets left off. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, Lillian Gish is nominated, loses to Sally Kirkland for Anna. Uh, uh, Anne Souther nominated for supporting female, loses to Angelica Houston in The Dead, and Vincent Price uh, does get a nomination. Good for him. Uh, loses to Morgan Freeman in Street Smart. That's right. Uh, the other two here that one of them is not, I mean, they're not really much of anything to really harp on. I just thought it was interesting kind of uh, at the Deauville film festival, which is apparently a French film festival where exclusively for American films. Uh, Weird. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but th- this was like up for their critics award uh, loses to something called Hollywood shuffle. And then uh, I got a Hollywood shuffle. Yeah. And then this wins the Retirement Research Foundation's Wise Owl Award for television and theatrical film fiction. Whatever well, that's that the one they wanted. That's the yeah. one they wanted, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Who cares about the Oscar? We're going for the Wise Owl Award. We should. That should be a thing that, like, that should be an official Oscars category. Uh, the Oscar for Wise Owl. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, that, I, I had nothing else to say on that other than I thought that was a funny category name for the Retirement Research Foundation, and I couldn't find any references to that foundation anywhere other than on IMDb, so maybe... Think someone's putting it for, for a joke, didn't it, say? It, it's possible. I mean, they have, like... It, it has listings for, like, 15 years of this theoretical oh, right. award, so who knows? But uh, uh, the Wise Owl Award uh, to this movie, I don't know. That's... Uh, but yeah, so as far as the actual Oscars, we've been talking about it, but, like, this was in the conversation uh, yeah. uh to a degree for i mean for the fact that it's lillian gish and betty davis and vincent price and ann southern in a movie in a drama based on a play about aging and about old people on uh, directed by lindsey anderson who had uh, directed at least a handful of oscar nominations from uh the sporting life right that was him right yeah yeah, yeah of course yeah, yeah. uh and uh, he'd done some other movies of note uh if not of oscar attention he did he did if uh, and Oh Lucky Man, and a few others uh, that I don't recognize just from reading the titles of. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I understand how this ends up as a lone acting nominee, ultimately. just uh, Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I think when it was in the discussion, it was only ever in the discussion for acting. And I think yes. it was only ever in the discussion for acting because of who the actors were, rather yes. than the performances themselves. So I don't know that it's wildly shocking that well the only acting the only nomination it did get was for one of its actors it just maybe wasn't for the actors we would have thought yeah um uh but this is this is a a category i've done before and a category i will do again in the future uh this best supporting actress lineup this year but uh what are your like 
general thoughts on these these nominees that we do end up with for supporting actress aside from Sally? I think yeah, I think it's a pretty good year. Um pardon me, I watched a couple of them um yesterday because the others I'd seen seen actually, no, obviously I watched Anne Sutton today as well. Yeah. But I'd seen Norma Aleandru um and Norma Aleandru was actually the last because I've I'm, I'm such a sad I've seen every single acting nomination ever. Hell yeah. Um I ended up going to UCLA film school. Um, just to track down some films that couldn't be seen anywhere else. Yeah. Um, but this time last year, or slightly earlier, I finished. I've seen every single nomination, acting nomination from 1927 till today. Uh, Norma Aliandro in um, Gabby, a true story, was the last supporting actress nomination that I saw sometime sometime last year. Um, and um, I saw. Obviously, I'm aware of you know Moonstruck. Um, I've yeah. seen that multiple times. Um, so the other two are Anne Archer and Anne Ramsey. Yeah. Anne Archer for Fatal Attraction and Ramsey for Throw Mama from a Train. Um, I think it's a pretty strong lineup. You know that they're all they're all really really decent. You know, there's not yeah. there's not a clunker, there's not a clunker in there. Uh, they're all kind of warranted. I it's actually I feel it's kind of strange. I feel that um. Olympia Dukakis kind of swept or she's thought of in such high regards. It's a very good performance, but it's not one that I overly like um particularly attuned to. It's fine. She's absolutely fine. I've got no yeah. no problem with her winning, no problem with her her, her, her nomination. My personal favourite is Anne Ramsey. She's I would so give that fun. Anne Ramsey. That. Yeah. yeah. I would give Anne Ramsey in, in, a, in a heartbeat. And because that, that is a type of performance that just does not get nominated for Oscars. We've seen them so few and far between. A really broad um character comedy performance like that um you know what would you get you got um Marissa McCarthy in Bridesmaids uh who's the woman in Borat the other year yeah Maria Bakalova um, Maria Bakalova uh, yeah, yeah obviously Kevin yeah. Klein Kev- I was just gonna say Kevin Klein yeah that's Downey that's Jr. and Tropic year. Thunder yeah they're so they're so few yeah, and far between very they? few um and they really stand out when they're in there I love the fact she got in um yeah. I personally would give her the nomination she totally steals that makes that film completely um, absolutely and archer does what she can with a wife role you know there's nothing yeah she, she's perfectly good i, I quite I, I like fatal attraction quite a lot it's it's not as it, it's aged better than i that it should have done yes you know, yes for, for numerous reasons um and the last one normally andrew uh well it, she, she's she's not a she's not a lead in the film she's the lead she's literally the the lead it's called norma a true story but it's not it's no it's not called norma it's called gabby a true story yeah gabby is like the the kid with um cerebral palsy but norma Andrews that is the lead role she shouldn't really be there that's a total makeup nomination for not that not nominator in uh 1985 for official story yeah. um there's no other reason for that <laughs> so i'm guessing that's a, a sole acting nomination it right? is um, yes okay. uh that one <laughs> i'll do at some point whenever if ever someone picks that one <laughs> and uh yeah throw good, good from the train i did that one earlier this year uh it's that's such a fun nomination it's such a cool nomination yeah. for yeah, like it really is yeah and like talk about like not just quintessential like comedy performance but like quintessential supporting actress like yeah like ann ramsey is such a force in everything she's in i i like no, I didn't really do a deep dive of her career, but I like watched a video that someone had done that was just like part of a, a series on the character actor in general as a concept. And it was about like her her whole tr- career trajectory 
leading up to you know that and then her last few like that was one of her last performances uh at least in her lifetime um fascinating career fascinating woman and that performance and the the ultimate nomination for it is such a win just like cosmically for a career character actress that is you know kind of destined by you know physical stature and voice and and by she had had like throat cancer and the surgery yeah. made her voice even worse and but like, the thing is because she's had that that's what makes it that, that's yes. what makes the role so brilliant isn't it it's that yes. voice that, that makes it so not wishing throat cancer on anybody but for <laughs> this in that particular um for that particular and, time and place it makes it so yeah it makes yeah it's a it's a really cool performance and nomination and yeah i would i would have given her the win i i love dukakis and moonstruck but she's also not necessarily the cast member from Moonstruck that I walk away from it thinking of. Uh, so, I mean, in a just world, both of those performances uh, uh, are Oscar winners. And yeah, I should rewatch Throw Mama from the, or even just her scenes again. Like just thinking about it, it's I, so cool. I actually watched Throw Mama from the Chain this morning. So um, I, I'm, it's very, very fresh in my mind. The, the fact that she got on a minute, this is why I'm so mad and I stay like so mad about category fraud yeah because that's exactly the kind of person the kind of nomination that that often doesn't happen because some big a-list stars sort of shoehorned their way into it because they're not the only lead of their film you know yeah and the best supporting actress or best supporting categories are for Anne ramses of this world that's yes. what they're made for and, and the Anne Southern and, Pitt, and you know? yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and it's it's such a new phenomenon, you know. It, it it happened every now and then since the beginning of beginning of the the, the Oscars, but it's only really happened like in the, the epidemic it is now since like the last sort of fifteen, certainly this century, you know. Yeah. And um, because people can get away with it, and it's it's actually I, I find it actually quite disgusting because you you are it may seem sort of benign, it may seem that you're not um, sort of affecting it, but you're literally situation changes someone's career you know yeah um which julia roberts julia roberts, you know in the way that um an Anne ramsey who got bumped out or or a june student someone who has been around forever you know, done bits and pieces and has finally gets that oscar nomination for a role totally deserved it and changes her you know maybe it's the last 10 years of her life but she's now like working constantly isn't she which yeah. wouldn't have happened if she hadn't got an oscar nomination if she'd just been in nebraska we wouldn't even know her name now, would we? But that Oscar nomination changes changes everything. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm, at, I'm now. I'm just imagining uh, uh, Lillian Gish doing the the June Squib in the the cemetery, lifting up her skirt and <laughs> look look what you missed. Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that was the thing that I was going to say earlier that uh, I because it's only very tangentially related, but just at a certain point watching this. I was struck with the uh, the image of Gish and Davis instead of doing this, um, doing an arsenic and old lace at this point, and um, it made me also mad that not not just that this movie is kind of nothing, but that you have a, a, a much more interesting play about two old women sisters living together in this house. How I I, I was mad that inter- I, I imagined it's interesting that you should say that. Interesting you should say that because Lillian Gish did a version of Arctic and Old Lace with Helen Hayes. Oh, uh, in um, a movie or a, 
a movie. Uh, well, it's made, right. made for TV, I think. Okay, um, that, that so might be was, why I didn't know this. So it was in 1969. Oh, wow. Um, I will have to check yeah. this out then. Wow. Well, it's, it's literally on my list of films to get around to watch for this for this podcast, but it just never, I just never got around to it. You can find almost anything on the internet these days, can't yeah. you? So I'm sure it's probably, probably there somewhere. Um, yeah, so Lillian Gish and Helen Hayes did Arsenic and Old Lace in 1969. Oh, and it has Fred Gwynn as it looks like the... Um, uh, yes, yeah. Jonathan, which is... Which one is that? That's not I the main remember. guy. I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen any version of Arsenic and Old Lace. But uh, okay, well, I- I'm glad that, th- that at least that exists out there uh, to check out yeah. at some we'll point. We'll have, we'll have to go and check it out. Yeah. Uh, it feels like there's not really much else about the Oscars to talk about this movie for because, like, I mean, we, we kind of already went over the the whole Gish and Davis and-, and Price not getting in. And where else would this movie have possibly shown up? Like, what else... Um, and also because I've done and or will do these other acting categories yeah. in general, because th- this is like, if not the most fruitful year for me for this podcast, right. it's like either tied or like very close to it because there's what, how many, uh, like nine of them or something. Really? Oh, wow. I think so. It's somewhere around there. Maybe not that. So you have Douglas and Mastroianni and Williams in lead actor, uh, Sally Kirkland, Morgan yeah. Freeman, Anne Ramsey, and Southern Norma Alejandra. So that's eight. Okay, eight out of twenty. Still, wow. that's that's a lot. It's a lot of. Yeah. Uh, and I I still have like three or f- four of those to do. I think you would never get that these days. Yeah, those little films get squeezed out. What what kind of frustrates me about the Oscar race these days is is there's so few surprises because there's so many precursor awards yeah and that by the time it comes around you know you get the odd surprise here on there but it's it's very very seldom are completely out of their surprise it's usually like the number six gets gets in instead of the number five or something isn't it um so with all these precursor awards and it really frustrates me the way that people act as if precursor awards are supposed to be predictive of the oscars people literally say oh they got that wrong don't they as if, yeah. like, <laughs> giving an award to someone that doesn't get an Oscar nomination was a, was a waste of an award or something. Um, yeah. So you, you just there's no way that eight films on single nominations because they would they would would have got squeezed out long before, wouldn't they? They yes. would have got squeezed out way like down the path. So it's kind of a bit like a bit yeah. frustrating. It's it's not as much fun these days. It just isn't. Yeah, and and this is something that I've sort of been you know since I've been focusing in on this that I've been sort of mulling over that. I don't know if we're ever going to get another winner from a lone nominee. It hasn't oh, happened yeah. since Julianne Moore. I was just going to say it was Julianne Moore the last. Yes, uh, it no, almost we will. We we will, and it'll be it'll be in actress or supporting actress one. I, I, I guess, but Although like, I mean, you often they often get a, a makeup one, don't they? So there's lots yeah. of them. It almost happened for uh, Glenn Close, but right. Aside from that, I don't think anyone since Julianne Moore has even come close to winning uh off of any of these that i can think of i'm i'm i might be maybe stallone but stallone was reasonably close uh i don't know this is just uh I, I was just thinking of it because michael douglas uh in this year is a winner and i was trying to think just so much has changed even in the, the like almost 10 years since still alice of how these sort of things go i i don't know i don't know 
you, you've got the numbers more than I have. So, so how is is there a real tail off of single um, of low nominees in recent times compared to back in the day? I, I mean, this past year there were four, which was kind of an outlier. But like before that, uh, the year before that, it was just Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Year before that, it was um, there were only like it, in the past few years, it's been one or two, almost every year, uh, for a while. Uh, yeah. like some years have three. I don't. I also don't remember the numbers off the top of my head either. But it, it's been kind of waning. Uh, in I don't. I don't know. Just the the expanded lineup of Best Picture having ten more movies are getting attention, course, and those more yeah, movies are yeah. are getting, and and everything else is getting so consolidated. Uh, of yeah. like you know, b- below the line categories getting so consolidated. Of like, oh, we're mostly really looking at the Best Picture nominees, and that isn't always happening in the acting categories but it's it's sort of trending towards that but i, I also know. think just just the amount of money it costs these days to um get a a, a sort of campaign going yeah and that can only be focused in certain areas can't it Are people yeah. really going to bother getting a campaign together for a single acting nominee whereas yeah. you know back in 1987 it just just wasn't the same you know you, yeah. just, you didn't you, you would have um academy members going to going to the odd screening and you might hold a party but they you put some um ads up you know but you weren't like hammering it home right left and center or sending things to people's houses or all the rest of it um yeah it actually takes money to get a an oscar nomination unless you get the odd the very odd like andrea <laughs> riseborough yeah yeah um so yeah i don't know that it's it's just a shame because it, it's so much more yeah. interesting when you get like um I just, I, it's, it sounds like you know for someone who loves all this stuff more than anything um, it sounds sounds silly to be complaining, but I wish half of the entirely unnecessary precursors would just disappear. Yeah, it's it's a uh, you know it's very just too too many cooks, too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah um, totally. Trying to think who it it also, even... for me it kind of spoils the Oscars themselves because the, the the Oscar is like everything leads up to it, but by the time you get there, it's all pretty much been <laughs> yeah already confirmed, isn't it? So it's like you have this big lead up which, which spoils the actual big party at the end it's it's like a like one giant spoiler the whole season yeah i don't know it's 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 a becoming a, a different monster entirely and like that's how it always has been but i don't know i don't i don't have some grand thesis uh to, to cap off this conversation but i don't know uh it just sort of happens and we're 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 getting into the the we're getting into gear as we speak for uh for this season really uh I wonder who it could be this year because there's there's almost always at least one. Oh well, the individual nomination. Yeah, the uh, um, there's there's a few people like I could see Jodie Foster being the only nomination. Yeah, abso- absolutely, hundred percent, definitely. I could see uh, Coleman Domingo for Rustin. Rustin, uh, yeah. Give or take a Lenny Kravitz nomination there, but yeah, um, there aren't really that many. Or there aren't as many avenues. Andrew Scott, maybe if that happens, possibly Kaylee Spaney potentially. Yeah, I could see that. But so but, but the, all these people are kind of on the periphery. I think I think Jodie Foster is the most that makes the most sense, doesn't it? Yeah, because I think she's she's pretty solidly in the five at the moment, even if yeah. she doesn't quite make it. She's like whereas, and so is Common Domingo is kind of certainly yeah. on the bubble there, isn't he? Um, I feel like other people were saying there could be um, single nominations, but. That's not because there's another nomination that may knock them. Yeah, knock maybe them out of um, this, just they, they may not make the make the cut at all. Maybe Viola Davis and Air, which has been 
that movie's been picking up a lot more steam in the past couple of weeks. Something it has, hasn't it? Yeah. Into. And also it's one of those films, and this is how you start thinking when you've been doing this like a long, long time. It's one of those films that people are going to sit down over Christmas who haven't seen it already. And that's going to be the top of their, we don't really have a screener pile anymore because it's probably yeah. going to link someone to it. Um, um, but um, it's one of those films which people will put in and watch, whereas something like really heavy and dark and three and a half hours long, uh, sort of an anatomy of a fall or something, you're not going to be like, yeah. oh, great, I've got my anatomy of a fall screener. You're going to be better. You can sit around at Christmas and easily watch it. And I yeah. often think sometimes when you have a sort of a bit of a surprise nomination, it does tend to be for something that um, is an easy watch. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it is an interesting one. But then that could also mean it does. It's not a single nomination because it, it could easily get like a screenplay or something, couldn't it? It it sure could. Uh, yeah. It could end up as a best picture. I I yeah, don't. It could. Yeah. It, it, could, it could. I mean, it got a Globes nomination. It get, it got. I could see that as a SAG Ensemble nominee. Yeah. And like totally. now that I say that out loud, I think it actually probably will be a SAG Ensemble nominee. <laughs> yeah. Thinking totally about, think about that as people in it, thinking about the kind of movie that like. <laughs> I, I almost to the point that I would put saying. money on it like that that you can you can uh you can kind of mark that one down like it's going to be like at the expense of Killers of the Flower Moon too which is going to be like that feels like the kind of SAG thing right of like they nominated Air but not whatever and I haven't seen Air I can't speak to its uh quality just like I don't know comparatively against some of these other movies or like yeah, poor Air things is, Air, is yeah. ve- Air is very enjoyable. I'm it's sure very, it is. It's not. It's I'm, not high art, but it's. I would. I genuinely wish there was more films like Air Made. Not that I love Air particularly, but that kind of mid-budget. Go to go to the cinema, have fun watching it. You know, with a film, bunch of movie stars. Film, with a bunch of movie stars, exactly. Being movie stars, which is what I want my movie stars to be. You know, yeah. rather than the extremes we get these days, which is either three and a half hours and you spent two hundred million on it, or you spent like five million on it and you've managed to get Kristen Stewart or someone to do it you know so yeah there's kind of that, that mid-budget movie which is my favorite type of movie just doesn't really exist anymore and i'm so tired i know it's a bit of a cliche now complaining about how long films are but yeah. um i'm so tired there's so the, yeah there's there's a lot <laughs> that don't need to be as long as they are uh uh and speaking of movies that are uh longer than they need to be um and movies that could end up as a lone nominee out of nowhere i I'm not entirely ruling out a random Joaquin Phoenix for Napoleon nomination. I don't think it's really in the cards, but I could I I could see it being a, a random, weird, they still have, you know, lingering Joaquin, and it would be a not a good he's not bad in that, but it wouldn't be he's it would be at the that. it would be regardless of who whoever it is that gets knocked out, it would be at the expense of a better performance. Uh, My problem is, and it happens a lot these days, is where you make a film in a foreign language and then everyone speaks in English. Yeah. Sometimes with an American accent, you know, and it's it, yeah. you just can't do it anymore. It's like it's not the 30s. You can't do that anymore. It doesn't yeah. work. I thought the last time it really worked is something like Dangerous Liaisons, you know. Yes. Um, and nowadays, even when you watch Dangerous Liaisons, now you're like, why is everyone American? It just doesn't <laughs> yeah. doesn't wash anymore, you know. Yeah, um, I was put off throughout the whole thing. Um, it's made a lot of money, Napoleon. It's actually made about two hundred million worldwide yeah. at the moment for Especially a film for that's a, going to Apple. So it was and for a three-hour movie, you know? yeah, three-hour yeah, war yeah. movie that is like equal parts, uh, uh, you know, violent war movie and psychosexual Napoleon should have just gotten pegged type movie but but mostly like, just three hours of the wikipedia page put, put on film yes so. 
Yes, a very poorly sourced Wikipedia page. Yeah. Uh, we're, we've gotten far afield of the 1987 Oscars, <laughs> as is to be expected. Uh, is there anything else we want to say here, or do we do we want to move on to our closing thoughts? Oh no, let, let's 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 move on to our closing thoughts. Okay, so in your fantasy world, where you get to pick all of the nominations, what nominations would you have given to the Whales of August? Well, funnily enough, the nominations I would have given to the Whales of August are Best Supporting Actress for Anne Southern. Yeah, yeah. That that's a every so often they get it right. <laughs> the Academy got it right. Yes. Yeah. I I wouldn't be opposed to a, a Vincent Price nomination. No, um, he, he wouldn't be, be in my five for this year. I I will happily knock him out. Um, I will happily put him in a knockout. Sean Connery. So yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yes, he's certainly uh, above the winner in this year. I think mean, this is a, a good year for movies in general. So I don't like I don't have my like my personal canon five. Uh, laid out for any of these categories but I wouldn't say no to a price nomination I wouldn't say no to keeping the Southern nomination wouldn't say no to Lillian Gish even though this is again no, a very strong year for best actress so uh, if you're putting Lillian who are you going to knock out I it has been a while since I've seen uh, Ironweed and I don't remember uh, Meryl all that much in it Did this I get is the title feeling- of yeah, 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 yeah. This is a film I definitely saw when I got the video, the VHS video from the um, Video Van Man. Yeah, probably in 1988. I love Marilyn in Ironweed. I think it's one of her best performances. I think she's wonderful in it. Um, so I would not be taking her out. That's fair. But having yeah. said that, I wouldn't. I, I, it's a very, very. It's one of the best all-time lineups. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I judge a lineup by would you if the, if. If someone else had won, would it be a bad win? And you can honestly say that if any one of those had won, people would not be going back now and saying, "Oh, that's a terrible win." You know, yes, people would just yeah. be like, "Oh, that's interesting." That's you know, that, same with eighty-eight. I think eighty-eight is much the same. It's like a a real lineup of really great, strong performances that have stood the test of time. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I I would love Lillian Gish to have a nomination, but I can't really legitimately knock someone out to to give it to her. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um. And I think uh, with that, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for coming on. I had a great time talking about this uh, maybe not so great movie with you. <laughs> You're welcome. As I, I was saying earlier, that I, whenever someone asks me to do like an Oscar podcast, I use it as an excuse to go and either watch for the first time or rewatch Blind Spots. You know, yeah. so I've had a, a great, great time for the last month um, watching numerous. Lillian Gish and um and I'd seen enough Betty Davis so Lillian yes, Gish and yeah. films. I think I watched about thirty films in total between the, those hey, two. Right so on. Thank you, thank you so much for plugging in some gaps in my um film um lack, lack of lack of knowledge and um yeah so it was it was a great pleasure. I'm always happy to do these sort of things. Yeah, you're uh, more than welcome back on anytime you want. Uh, do you have? Uh, I have. Some, I, have some, I do. I have. I absolutely have some I'm, thoughts. I'm sure. I, I've yeah. heard you a few times say that not enough people are taking them for very early days. So I'm your man. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, do you have anything you want to plug anywhere people uh, can find you and your stuff online? Um, I'm Baby Clyde Oscars at Twitter, um, Baby Clyde Oscars on Letterbox. Um, Twitter is, I mean, who's who's really using Twitter much these days? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, Letterbox, I do put absolutely every single film. It's my favorite thing in the world. I spend more time on on Letterbox than I do like speaking to my family. Um, I <laughs> love Letterbox so much. Every single film I've seen for the last seven years has been catalogued um 
and some of my reviews do make me laugh so feel free to go on there um i also write for the film experience blog um not as much as i should sorry nathaniel um but you can find a lot of my um writing on there mostly about the oscars and old hollywood um we're just doing um some pieces at the moment about the current oscar races i've just been writing about best song um but yeah you can Fine. go back and find some stuff on there next year i need to need to do some more of that i'm terrible i, I get very easily distracted so yeah, right on. Uh, yeah, check out all that stuff. You can find this show on Twitter and Letterboxd at Lone Acting Noms and on Instagram at the Lone Acting Nominees. That'll be it for this episode. Thank you for listening.